All right. Okay. It's rolling. It's rolling. It's talking. Well, we're talking. It's <laughs> listening. Mm-hmm. About troll two. two. <laughs> Which is different than trolls. I've just learned. Yeah, because you thought Justin Timberlake produced the music for this film. <laughs> yeah. Which would be wrong. Yes. <laughs> uh, factually inaccurate. Yeah. Um, also, the trolls in this movie, not as colorful, unfortunately. Yeah. Goblins. They're goblins. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, I, I just think it's such a fun. Like, there's so much fun trivia around this. Yeah. Like, they don't ever use the word troll in the movie. <laughs> not once. Yeah. There's no trolls in the movie. There's, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just like a total marketing thing. I, I think was the story that they wanted it to be. Um. They didn't think the movie would sell unless they tried to spin it as a sequel to a movie to the original troll movie. But they're nothing really. I don't know. The oh, whole thing I didn't is just, know that. I was gonna ask: Is there a troll one? But I think somewhere there might be. Okay. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this. I don't know. It's this is all just foreign and very. Great. Very strange. Yeah. Um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. Because we are the Madness and Movies podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Andy. And we look at movies through the lens of madness and madness, madness. through the lens of, well, I guess we usually say pop culture, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And we find madness where you least expect it. So that's our opening spiel. Mm -hmm. Do you want to try to synopsisize it? Sure. I want to hear your synopsis of Troll 2. Okay. Give me, give me, give me, give me, so give me, give me, give me. There's this little boy uh -huh. who's having visions oh. about his dead grandpa who's coming to him as a ghost or something. And uh -huh. he's having visions of his grandpa... Telling him a story about how there's these troll, well, not trolls, goblins. They're not, tro <laughs> They're not trolls. <laughs> there's these goblins who, once upon a time, they tried to feed this man this green, slimy stuff. And it looked like pudding. It just yeah. looked like vanilla pudding that they put a lot of food coloring yeah, into. Yeah, pretty much. And he ate it. And then he turned into a vegetable, like half vegetable, half person. <laughs> and that's what the goblins eat. So they ate him. Um, yeah, the goblins uh, don't eat vegetables. The goblins don't eat people. They eat a very specific, confusing hybrid. <laughs> but first, you need to eat the vegetable pudding thing. Yeah. To turn into that. And then they'll <laughs> eat you. So, yeah. So the next day, the family goes on. The little boy and his family, they go on vacation to this place called Nilbog, which is goblin spelled backwards. <laughs> it's that stupid. It's that stupid. And it takes the entire movie, right? That's like the third act. Like, not third act. Like, the end of the second act yeah, twist. Yeah. Is he sees Nilbog in a mirror and goes, No, it's goblin spelled backwards! <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, they go to Nilbog, mm -hmm. and there's all these people who, who are trying to get them to eat the green stuff, and and his grandfather keeps showing up, and he's like, no, don't eat the green stuff, get your family to not eat it, and so he has to keep trying to stop his family from eating the green stuff. You said his grandpa's dead, right? Did we cover that? We okay. did, we did. Yeah. His grandpa's yeah. definitely dead. Yeah. Except so maybe not. 
we don't really know what his status is. It's okay. He's the equivalent of gender fluid, but like for people who are not really alive <laughs> and not really dead. <laughs> it's fine. <Yeah. laughs> so, yeah. Um, so his grandfather keeps showing up and he's like, don't eat the stuff. You have to stop your family from eating the stuff because they're going to get eaten by the goblins. So he has to keep stopping them. And by the end of the movie, I guess the goblins are trying to eat them anyways. The goblins are exposed. Yeah. The goblins get exposed as goblins because they were undercover as like yeah. the creepy shopkeeper or the confusingly friendly sheriff. Yes. And then they get exposed and they're like, well, you caught us. Now we just have to kill you. Yeah. So then they're like running away from the goblins and then they're all about to eat the little boy and... He there. His grandfather gives him like a bag and he's like, you need to take out the stuff in the bag only when you really, really need it. And so the goblins are all about to eat him. And then he takes out a bologna sandwich and then they freak out. A double decker bologna sandwich. (laughs) And they're like, you need to think about all the cholesterol in that. Don't eat it or we can't eat you. And so he eats it and then they run away. Disgusting, nasty. At one point, they, they describe people that eat meat as having, like, putrid bladders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I hope then, I'm getting that line right. Of I think <laughs> I think that was it, yeah. <laughs> so then then he eats it, and they run away. The, yeah, the goblins are killed or whatever, go away. And then they return back. They destroy the goblins with the power of goodness. Oh, Thank yeah. Thank you very much. Yes. They all... Love each other. They all love each other very much and they concentrate and put their hands on the rock and then lightning strikes and all the goblins die. Yes. And then they come back to their hometown Mm -hmm. and everything is back to normal, except the little boy is hearing voices that say, like, eat up or something. And then he goes downstairs and finds his mother being eaten by the goblins. And he screams. Well, sort of. He finds a shower full of green food coloring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, no. No, you're right. Green food coloring in the shower. And then, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. They have her on the kitchen table. He literally is like, my mom is being eaten by goblins. (laughs) Smash cut to credits. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, this is like a... It's so bad, it's good type yes. film. This, this is, is like a, a fundamental genre defining so bad, it's good film. Yes. By no means is this like a, a good movie or something to be taken seriously. No. It's funny. No. Yeah. You were worried that it was going to be scary. Yeah, I was. It was a little <laughs> scary, to be honest. Really? Like, <laughs> okay, you have very, very low tolerance. I have specific triggers around force feeding people. Okay, that's, yes. a, that's a thing. Yes, but that's fine. It was it was pretty funny on the whole. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I just like hold it. What were they gonna do? Like I don't know. The the, the end. They catch the little boy and they're like holding his arms, yeah. like holding his arms back and walking up to him. I just kept feeling like they were just gonna like smush his face into this like bowl full of this green pudding. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But they never did though, because Grandpa Seth came back from the dead as a very corporeal person who punches goblins it was all very (laughs) yeah it was very interesting but yeah our fundamental thesis for this if i can go ahead and steal the top Mm -hmm. line is that this is like we're watching this and like two minutes in we're like oh this is a mad pride movie (laughs) (laughs) 
I was really excited. I was like, this movie perfectly encapsulates the stigma paradox. And then I was like, oh. man, I can't turn it off. Yep. <laughs> we didn't intend to make a podcast about this movie. Shh, don't pull back the curtain too much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes we watch movies and we just try to enjoy them. And most of the time we fail and then we go, oh, it's the stigma paradox again. And then we go, well, get the microphone. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, basically this little boy is hearing voices. He's talking to his grandpa and his family is freaked out about that. And the various ways that he gets punished for that are just so exactly similar to the ways that mad people in general just get punished. Yeah, people tighten up their belts around you. <laughs> <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> in one of the first scenes, um, the little boy is like listening to his grandpa talk about the goblins eating this man. And then his mom comes to his room and she's like, who are you talking to? And no, she says, Joshua, are you still awake? <laughs> and she's like, are you talking to your grandpa again or something like that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he says, yeah. And she's like, well, just remember what your doctor said. What did your doctor say about <laughs> this? And he goes, he said that he's a, what did he say? Something like he's a figment, a fi a figment of, my, of my subconscious. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he says it kind of proudly, like he's rehearsed the line a thousand times and he knows it exactly. And he's proud to know the word subconscious. But... <laughs> And then it's a little weird. He's like eight. Yeah. Yeah. And then his mom is like, OK, good. Like, just remember that or whatever. And then leaves. And then she goes and talks to his dad and she goes, I'm just very anxious about Joshua. He keeps hearing the voice of his grandfather. And I'm just I'm very worried. He's very sick. He's not doing well. And his father responds, well, that's what our vacation is for. We just need to go on vacation. We'll be peasants, just like the old days. <laughs> and he's like, and we'll just forget all about it. We'll, this will distract him. You know, it's it's fine. I yeah. had an imaginary friend when I was his age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I was like, man, that is the stigma paradox. I am seriously going to use that for lectures on the stigma paradox that I do because yeah for those of you who don't know the stigma paradox have we talked about the stigma paradox on our podcast probably probably, probably yeah. brief overview just in case like can I literally go 10 minutes without talking about the stigma paradox probably not I don't know. <laughs> okay so for those of you who this is your first episode or you've not heard about the stigma paradox it describes two types of stigma one is unlikeness stigma and one is likeness stigma unlikeness stigma is the idea that mentally ill people are fundamentally different they have something biologically and neurologically wrong with their brains that needs to be fixed through medical intervention um and then likeness stigma is the idea that mentally ill people are just like us there is nothing wrong with them and Therefore, they don't need to be fixed with medical intervention. They don't need treatment and they need to just snap out of it. So you're just like me and I'm fine. Yes. So you should be fine, too. Yes, exactly. Like, it's just a matter of having the free will and the willpower and the bootstraps to get yourself out of it. So, yeah, the, these are both forms of stigma. They are both bad. 
They're not. One isn't better than the other necessarily or anything like that. But basically, I just felt like the reactions, the initial reactions from his parents to his hearing voices was very much representative of the stigma paradox that you have one saying, like, we need to talk to the doctor. This needs to have medical terminology and this needs to be like cured through medical intervention. And you have the other one being like, he just needs a vacation. Like he just he just needs some nature and to live like peasants and and then it'll (laughs) just go away. Um, and neither one really taking it seriously and saying, well, like, what is the actual experience like? And yeah, or like what asking, talking to him at all. Yeah, yeah. And actually being concerned, you know, concerned in a real way, not in a like, well, he just needs to stop kind of way. But in a like, you know, what? Yo, do what's going on kind of way. Yeah, what's going on? What can this mean? Same thing when he pees on their corn yes. or like pees on all their food, I yes. guess. Like, this is, like, a hilarious, but, like, stupid, but hilarious, like, plot point is, like, yeah, again, the goblins need to, if you eat the goblin food, then you turn into goblin food. Yes. Um, and so, they get, they, they get to the new town of Nilbog, which is goblin spelled backwards, again. <laughs> and, and they're, they're all about to sit down and eat, and... Joshua's like, no, the food is poison. The food is poison. And the family's like, sure, kid. Sure, whatever you say, kid. Um, And his grandpa, like, freezes time and is like, Joshua, you have to stop them. Do something, Joshua. You have to stop them. Because his grandpa has supernatural powers, I guess. Yeah. Um, And Joshua walks around and kind of contemplates it for a minute. And then stands up on the table, unzips his pants, and just pees all over everything. (laughs) On camera, it's basically child porn. It's <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, not that at all. Um, it no, he, he, but he, he is like dragged upstairs and grounded and yelled at, and uh, no one stops to ask like why. Mm-hmm. No one wants to actually know why. They just yell about hospitality and then. His punishment is that his dad tightens his belt. Yeah. He tightens his belt. If you want to have a hunger strike, something, just know that I've been doing hungry longer than you've been alive. Yeah, I've been yeah. I've been hungry more than you have. Yeah. Or I'm better at being hungry than you. I, I, I suffered hunger as a kid, too, and I got through it, so I'm more experienced at this. Yeah. Again, with that likeness stigma that, like, well, I... You're like me, and I'm you. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, tightens his belt and is like, I ah, will see you at the finish line, kid. Like, that kind of attitude. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but nobody actually wants to ask, like, did, what was going through your head? Or, like, why were you so concerned about this? Or, like, what's... Because I don't know. I, I My modus operandi, I guess, is, like... This is what I try to do. This is what I strive to do is to like it just I don't know, in my interactions with people in general is like try to figure out what they actually like mean or want or feel and maybe not like like what they're saying, but sort of like what's behind that, you know, like he's you know, what I'm saying like yeah. he's, he's peeing on the food. He's clearly worried about something. Let's talk about yeah. why you're so worried. Yes, and that's very much an experience that a lot of mad people have is 
a lot of people do feel like their food is poisoned or they can't yeah. eat for whatever reason. And we almost never ask why or like, yeah. what, what yeah, can yeah. I What's do? What's the why can behind I, this? Can I bring you food that you might like or whatever? Um, I'm also thinking, too, of a lot of autistic people um, who have difficulty eating a lot of different foods because they don't like the texture or they're very sensitive to certain tastes or you know, whatever it is, there's just when people are more sensitive to sensory stimuli and that affects them more than other people, then naturally food is going to be part of that. But a lot of yeah. people, instead of like, oh, this food might affect you differently than it affects yeah. me or maybe. What can I do about that? Yeah, maybe I should consider getting you food that's not as strong tasting or doesn't have the specific texture instead it's like well you just need to sit down and eat it and you just need to learn how to tolerate the discomfort that this food brings you and yeah I feel like that really was reflected in that experience there that this person is like doesn't want to eat this and doesn't want his family to eat this food so badly that he's gonna stand up and pee on the food and he's just punished and like no one asks why no one tries to talk with him yeah Yeah, no, I'm just thinking of, yeah, people that I know that have, like, you know, literally, like, spent, like, a year, like, training their kid to eat blueberries. Mm, yeah. And, like, wow. Yeah. What's it like on the other side of that? Yeah. I mean, I get it to some extent. Sometimes as a kid, you're just resistant to new foods because change is scary or... Mm -hmm. Whatever, and so, like, maybe it's worth trying it. But if someone's resisting for a year, that makes me think there's some sort of, like, sensory issue <laughs> that this is just not going to work for them. Yeah. I don't know if it's literally for a year, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But we don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so much weird stuff around food and, like, getting kids to eat certain foods. Which leads us <laughs> to... <laughs> Healthism. And the bologna sandwich. Yes. So I love this story about the director. Yeah. Do you want to share? Yeah. No, I... This might be apocryphal or I might be getting it wrong, but I, I, on Reddit, a person on the internet said this, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's true for me. <laughs> <laughs> that the director was mad at his wife for either being a vegetarian or becoming a vegetarian. And so that was sort of <laughs> the, so all of the villains in this movie are like aggressive. They're like the most like, like pushy vegetarian slash vegan types like that you'll ever see. Like this is like the personification of the, the evil, the, the, the evil is that all they want to eat is plants and they want to turn everybody into plants. And if you touch meat, then you're, dirty and weird and gross and how dare you it's the in the end the meat eaters triumph yes. over the the vegetarians i think his mom i think it was the apples uh, i think it was the apples that because at the she... very end his mom they they managed to escape the village and his mom eats an apple and then when we next see her next she's like being eaten alive she's turned into plant goop and, and she offers him an apple right uh -huh. and she's like and looking down on him adam and, he eve, adam and eve adam and eve <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's like no i don't want one or something yeah yeah, so yeah. she's she like being pushy about it <laughs> yeah 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 
So just to be very clear, I am very pro-veganism, vegetarianism. I think suffering is bad and what we do to animals is terrible. I personally eat meat. Yeah, my fundamental dilemma is that suffering is bad. Hamburgers are good. Well, more than that, they're really cheap and convenient for me. Like, they're cheap, convenient, and yeah, as someone with the sensory issues around food, they're something that I can eat and get very quickly, very easily. If I could go to McDonald's and get, like, a veggie burger that actually was accessible. Like boxes for you. Yeah, then I I totally would, but Mm -hmm. that's, you know, not happening right now, and I feel like it takes a lot more time and energy and money to prepare I don't I don't know how I feel about that excuse. Um, Yeah, to, you know, I I do feel complicit in the suffering of animals. But um, yeah, that's all to just say I'm not I'm not trying to bash vegetarianism. I'm not trying to bash veganism. But what I am trying to bash is healthism, which is pushy assholes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That are also vegetarian, coincidentally. And that don't push vegetarianism and veganism on the basis of ending suffering, Mm. but push it on the basis of it's healthier. And especially when it's tied to you'll be thinner or you'll be saner. Like, yes, I was going to go with saner. Yeah. I mean, I think they're they're tied, right? The idea in society is that if you're thinner, you'll be saner. And if you're saner, you'll be thinner. But, right. You want you want to flesh that out a little bit? More? Like, I think I follow, but just just if I'm like almost following, let's just make sure everybody else is. Sure. So the basic assumption that we have in society, I guess we haven't talked about sizeism very much on this podcast, but is that being fat is bad and being thin is good. And if you're fat, you must be lazy or incompetent or irresponsible, not able to take care of yourself, not able to exercise self-control and responsibility over your own your own body. And if you're thin, then you do have all of those things. You practice self-control and self-regulate and you're disciplined and you're responsible. Um, Those are kind of the assumptions that are false um, that are tied to these two categories of people. And, um, yeah, so, so basically this idea is, well, if you're saner, sanity is kind of tied to all this stuff around being disciplined and practicing restraint and taking good care of oneself and, um, yeah, being responsible. So if you're, if you get saner, if you're quote unquote mentally healthier, then of course you'll lose weight. Um, and then there's this idea that, yeah, that if you're losing weight and doing all the right things and eating healthy, then that makes you sane. Um, so yeah, of course, sanity and thinness are inherently linked. Um, I mean, not inherently, but (laughs) they're, they're linked by society. Um, so yeah, to me, when veganism comes from a place of, yeah, if you just eat better, if you just stop eating meat, then you won't be depressed anymore or you'll, you'll lose a bunch of weight. Like you'll be this good citizen who's healthy and who, yeah, like is mentally healthy, physically healthy, and you won't be this gross burden on society who's depressed and fat. We don't like that. That to me is where veganism comes from a really bad place. 
And Mm -hmm. that doesn't have to do with veganism itself necessarily. You know, I think there's people who push plenty of diets that say that. that Or yoga or crystals. If you you do the right yoga or even, you know, if you eat paleo, which that's a meat diet, that, that you'll be saner and thinner, less depressed or whatever. Meditation. If you just take a walk in nature, um, so, so yeah, that to me, I felt like the movie was criticizing that more so than veganism itself because the goblins were pushy and they were trying to get everyone to eat this green stuff and they weren't talking about suffering. They weren't like, our animals are suffering and you're responsible. You need to eat this green stuff. They were just like, you need to eat this. And when he ate a bologna sandwich, she was the witch lady freaked out and was like, but look at all this cholesterol. It's so disgusting. And the you'll grease the process, oh, all the preservatives. Ah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so very shaming, very like food shaming, which is, I think, also Definitely a part of sanism. I mean, definitely a part of fat phobia and sizeism. I think there's a lot of food shaming that's tied to that. Like, oh, if you're fat, you must eat really unhealthy. And if you eat unhealthy, that's bad because you're going to get fat um, when those two aren't necessarily linked either. But I also think there's a lot of that in sanism. Like if, if you are someone who's depressed or um, if you're anxious or whatever have a mental illness you are often told practice self-care yes eat better just eat better and if you practice good nutrition then you know you'll be all better and there's also this idea i think when people take medication Mm -hmm. that they must not really be trying hard enough that if they really ate well and just cut out the junk from their lives then they wouldn't have to take those ugh, medications. And there's there's a I lot of... Think, yeah, I don't think everyone, but I, there's definitely a contingent. Yeah. Definitely yeah, no, for sure not person. everyone believes yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's also interesting how there's a lot of healthism around medications, too. Hmm. How there's a lot of like, ew, but... They might make you fat or <laughs> they're, they're chemicals that you're putting in your body and it's so gross. How your can brain you do might, that? Your brain might hurt less and you'll be happier, I guess, but you'll also be fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be clear, you know, I'm also not like saying yeah. medication always makes you happier either. No, no, no. But it's just interesting the place a lot of this comes from that it it's unnatural. It's gross. It's disgusting. Everything has to be pure and clean. And, and that's a word that's used a lot in the movies. Oh, man. Yeah. We, we're purifying everything and, and we have to make them eat these foods so that they'll be pure. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've been like, that's always just a, a constant fascination with me is this idea that we like, we have to go back. Mm-hmm. We have to go back to the way it was mm-hmm. back when. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. We, we have to do natural birth. No no more with all these drugs and painkillers. Back back to the days when 30% of women died in childbirth. Yeah. <laughs> back to the days when, how long did we live back then? Like, I don't know. Like 40, 50 average lifespan? I, I, I've seen counter arguments okay. that that's like, whatever. That okay. we have a small sample size okay. of cavemen and most of the ones we have were like stabbed or whacked or you know like we have like the guy with the arrow through this through his head and isn't you know hmm. whatever that our sample size is skewed that's probably not really that they lived a decent amount 
Okay. But... I doubt they lived as long as we No, did. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I doubt that as many people could, like, as many different types talking about diversity, you know, that, yeah. okay, maybe if we went back to the way it was, that might work for very able-bodied people. Yeah. But that's probably not going to work. I, for... I sus- Yeah, I suspect it's the kind of thing where if you make it past 10 years old, then you're probably good to go until you're 60. Yeah, maybe. But... Most people get picked off by the time they're 10 years. Right. Most yes. people don't make it that far. Or most women. Yeah. yeah. A third of women die in childbirth. I, I'm, I'm pulling yeah. a number on my butt. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's literally a third, but. Yeah, I mean, I. It just could be 60%. Who knows? Yeah, I imagine it was very high and. And also just quality of life. Oh, like, yeah. I, I can't imagine that being good, but I don't know. Who am I to judge? Yeah, and also, <laughs> I don't know. And also, like. I don't know, like, I know this is, like, such a cliche, but just, like, hey, guys, corn is a GMO. Yeah. Uh, we, we we carefully engineered and bred corn to be this good. Yes, yes. Um, bananas, we, we very carefully selected the best bananas, and mm-hmm. we, like, all of the food that we eat is, like, engineered. Yes. By smart people. Yes. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. And also just natural doesn't necessarily mean better. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a big thing that like, okay, like also there's a lot of foods that are quote unquote natural that are also pretty poisonous to us. And um, yeah, that would cause a lot of problems that we really need to stay away from. Or just disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah, like a lot of diseases are natural oh, and it's yeah. it's man made sanitation systems and you know germ theory and all of these things that you know science has invented and hand sanitizer isn't natural by any stretch of the imagination (laughs) right right right. soap or things like that like yeah not natural but saving lives antibiotics penicillin Uh uh like you know I, i think we can definitively say that there are some very unnatural things that we're talking about here that are definitively better than like, I don't know, poison ivy or, um, (laughs) I can probably think of worse than that, but just, I was imagining hand sanitizer made out of poison ivy, (laughs) (laughs) but just, yeah, like some things that are quite natural and grow naturally. And, uh, we still might not want to eat or, you know, rub on ourselves or, you know, be around in general. And that's a valid reaction and a valid, like, way of existing in the world. Yes. You stupid healthists. (laughs) Yes. Get out of here. Not that healthism has anything to do with intelligence level or IQ. That's correct. I'm trying to avoid the word stupidity, but it's it's very hard. Oh, yeah. It's so, so burned in. Yeah, it is, unfortunately. Yeah. But, yeah. So the other thing I wanted to talk about that I okay, just okay, realized okay, okay. we didn't have in the notes was adultism. Oh. Okay. All right. So adultism is kind of a way to describe the power that adults have over youth and over young people. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that was really clear in this movie, especially the intersection between sanism and adultism that mm-hmm. um, there's this little boy who, you know, he 
knows that this place is dangerous and is telling his family about how dangerous it is. And he also knows that the green healthy food is dangerous and he doesn't want to eat it. But they're not listening to him and they're dismissing him both because of sanism and because, mm-hmm. oh, he's mad. He hears voices. Mm-hmm. Let's not listen. But also because of adultism that he's young, so it must not matter and that, you know, kids will be kids. And again, kind of with that likeness stigma too. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, when I was a kid, I, I had a playmate, like, you know. Yeah, I didn't like celery either when I was his age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to really listening. Yeah. I don't know if there's a whole lot more to say to that. Just, yeah, the adults <laughs> talk down to him the entire time until he saves them with lightning and baloney. Yes. <laughs> and then they still talk down to him a little bit. You should eat this apple. It'll be... <laughs> <laughs> and then nobody learns anything and then yeah. they die yep it's a great movie it is it's good it actually is you should totally yeah. watch it it's hilarious yeah. yeah i also i also thought there was it was a real emphasis and i think we do this in real life too but it was really like highlighted here was this emphasis on the personal experience and like your personal perception, right? Like mm. every time somebody sees something, the dad goes into the room and shakes his head and goes, well, it's not here now, or I didn't see it. Or yeah. <laughs> and like, no, you listen to me, listen to me. I am telling you words. And he's like, well, it's not here now. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that proves nothing. Well, but if I didn't see it, it's not real. Go to bed kids. Yes. And just, yeah, this, this such this weight that we put on like, what is coming into our sensory yes. box. Yes. That, like I um this was uh this was on the crack podcast, I wanna say I don't know, many, many years ago. David Wong um describes the the human brain like he says, we think of like our eyes mm-hmm. as windows to the world. Mm-hmm. But in reality our eyes are like information capturing buckets. Yes. That then all the information goes into a black box and the black box, whatever's in that black box Mm. is what gets delivered to the thinking part of our brain, right? Like it goes into the black box for processing, comes out the other side. And we trust that black box, but what we don't quite like ever really conceptualize is that the guy in the black box is drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Like like he just misses shit constantly (laughs) Is like misinterpreting signals and just passing it on as if it's no big thing and just like, that's fine. They won't care anyways. <laughs> like for real, for real, for real. Like, I don't know. Uh, car accidents, right? Like this is always the thing is like, you know, you ask the guy that gets hit and he says like, you were looking right at me. Mm-hmm. You can be staring straight at an, on- at an oncoming vehicle and not register it as an oncoming vehicle. Yeah, because the guy in the box is drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can think you heard a noise in the distance, right? And go, is someone here? And there's no one there. And there wasn't a noise. And maybe it was the neighbor's cat or something. The guy in the box is drunk. <laughs> but we don't believe it. Yeah, absolutely. Fundamentally, whatever comes out of that box is God's honest truth. Embossed, sealed. Like, signed, sealed, delivered. That's what happened. Yes. And it's, we have such, I don't know, such a hard time, like, getting outside of that and, like, understanding that somebody else is perceiving things differently and that that might also be valid. Yes, and I think 
that gets back to objectivity and kind of empiricism as well. Um, and this idea that we can have an objective science that, you know, measures people's mental and emotional experiences and that that counts more than kind of a person's individual testimony and that yeah. we need to quantify and measure everything. And this is something that I talk a lot about within mental health. This, this idea of kind of, we, we discount people's experiences, mad people's experiences in favor of like, what, what do the researchers say? What do the clinicians say? Like, you know, how, how are we categorizing and classifying this and measuring and quantifying? Um, and yeah, it's it's this kind of way of saying like there is an objective reality and and it's we, mine. <laughs> yes, yes. And we can see it. The privileged ones of us who, you know, are doing empirical work and research, you know, we, we can see this objective reality because, you know, um, society has constructed um, this idea that researchers have special knowledge and have mm -hmm. special ways of measuring reality and we have access to them and therefore we are objective. Um, if that, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. And then I, think I follow. And then these mad people who are perceiving these things that we don't perceive Well, they're crazy. Like they're rational. They can't be objective. Um, and I, I think that's a big thing too, is that, yeah, if you're mad or if you're young or if you're in any sort of marginalized body, there's this idea that you can't be objective because your viewpoint isn't shared by the majority. And so therefore it's not as measurable or quantifiable, or it's not agreed on by as many people. And so you, you're not objective. You're the subjective one, but the rest of us are objective when, yeah, the reality is, is that no one is objective. Objectivity really doesn't exist in terms of like madness, I think. And yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. To, to go to like the, I don't know, blindingly obvious question. Like, do we all see the same color red? We all can point to the same mm -hmm. swatch on the wall and say red. Mm hmm. Because we've been trained that this word and whatever the perception of that thing is, is red. Mm -hmm. Do I see the same red as you? If we could swap brains, would your red look purple mm -hmm. to me? I, I, uh, <laughs> we don't know. Yep. We don't know. <laughs> we don't. And it's really scary. I I find that terrifying. I know other people don't, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's like a trivia fact or like a thought experiment. But it's not. That just... I don't have to like live in. You know, I'm just like, oh, that's funny. Anyways, this is a good movie. <laughs> but it's not just the red; it's the whole I know. world. I know. We are perceiving the whole world. I know. I could be see like you could come into my brain and see like a monstrous goblin thing where you are. Mm-hmm. Like. But to me, that looks like you and to you, that looks like you. Yeah. Yeah. The like, way that, how, yeah, the way that weird is that? Yeah. The way that we like, you can look at yourself in the mirror and go, Ugh, my hair is wrong and my ears are too big and my teeth aren't, you yeah. know, and, the, yeah. and then I don't know, whatever. The other person comes up and goes, you look fine. Your hair's yeah. fine. No one, your, your ears look normal. I don't, what are we talking about? You're fine. You're yeah. fine. Everything's fine. Like that's, the, that's the same phenomenon. 
Similar, yeah. Sim- similar. Okay, yeah. tell me the difference then. The difference is like, you, we can be, in that case, you are still, I guess the idea is you're still seeing the same thing, but you're making a different value judgment. Hmm. Okay. And... <laughs> and this one, I think, I don't know. I think I might be just pulling that out of my ass. But I think it's the idea that, like, you can both read the same exact poem and feel different feels. Yeah. Or, like, you think the po- or you know, we could have both just watched that movie and you think the movie is really great and I think the movie is really bad or whatever. But I think. I'm saying like, I mean, maybe it's not so separable, Mm -hmm. but I think what I'm saying is like, you know, you could maybe like what I'm seeing, my like image of you, the light waves that are coming in, Mm -hmm. my brain is constructing them as like what would look like to you, like a goblin monster thing or whatever. Like the image is like fundamentally different, but I don't know. I probably not, but (laughs) This is a whole rabbit hole that we should maybe move on yeah, from. But my point is, is that it's really <laughs> scary. We are all alone in our bodies and like words mm-hmm. don't mean anything. Like we, we think that we're. <laughs> you said in an audio, a, a words only medium. <laughs> I that, But see what I mean? That is what's so fucking scary is that like you can think that you're like communicating mm-hmm. something to somebody, but those words mean something so fundamentally different to them mm-hmm. that you're like really not communicating anything. You're like, Oh, that's a nice sh- shade of red. And that person's like, Oh yes. But they're really seeing like brown poop. And like, you think you're talking about the same thing and mm-hmm. you're not, but like that that's happening with like probably like really much bigger things than colors. And that's, what's so terrifying. And like, but words are all we have. Like that's it. There is nothing. We can't step into each other's skin the only thing that we have to get across any meaning and feel like we are not totally alone is words. And that is just terrifying. Okay. Colorblind people are the neurodiversity crowd of the vision world. Sure. Yes. (laughs) Thought for food. Yes. Um, I think that's all the big thoughts. Yeah, I think so too. Did you have any small thoughts? I don't think so. Any just like movie thoughts? This is movies and madness, or madness and movies, madness and movies. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess I would just the only thing was um, just pointing out maybe the misogyny um, of mm-hmm. the way that the witch was portrayed, mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. sexualizing and manipulative and using popcorning. <laughs> popcorning. Can we talk about the popcorn guy? Yes. Okay, well, what even purpose did that serve? To add some sex appeal to the movie. Okay. Did okay. you saw they had that in the trailer, right? That was prominently featured oh, in the trailer. Oh, that's really funny. I didn't realize that. Okay. I don't know that that scene means anything else other than like. <laughs> We're gonna add some sex. You gotta add some sex. Gotta keep people interested. <laughs> that's funny. I, I really, I really think that was the it. Yeah. So the like witch lady. Mm-hmm. Who's, the queen of the goblins. Who's, like, really trying to get them all to be vegetarian. Yeah. She, um, yeah, she, like, uses her sex appeal. She acts as all, acts all sexy. Um, Constantly. Yeah. And then she, like, tries to hook up with this one guy. Two of them. Oh, yeah, two. Drew, remember Drew? 
Oh yeah, that's true. She makes Drew drink a milkshake of his friend's arm. Yeah. His friend's sawed up arm. Yeah. Makes him drink that milkshake. And then bangs him? I don't know. It's it's implied. He's on. Yeah. She like throws him on a red silk bed. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And then she. Yeah. um, She like tries to have sex with this other guy. What's his name? Arnold or something? No, it's Which the one? Other. Arnold's the one that gets turned into the potted plant. Okay, no, the corn one. Oh, I don't know. Okay, well, <laughs> she tries to get to have sex with him, but then she's, like, also trying to get him to eat corn on the cob. She's trying to feed him corn for no apparent reason. Yeah. And he says, well, I do like popcorn. And she's like, well, then we just have to heat this up a little bit. And, like, <laughs> like... I don't, I don't know if she, she didn't take any of her clothes off, did she? She just kind of like threw herself yeah, on him. Yeah. And then they're like both eating this piece of corn. She like sticks this piece of corn in his mouth and then like bites the other side. And then they're like both like trying to like sexily eat corn. Yeah. And then really suddenly weird. the corn pops and he's like buried up to his neck in popcorn. And it's like the sexy popcorn scene is the weirdest goddamn it's thing so I've ever weird. seen. <laughs> Um, but if you do have a corn fetish or that is what you like to add to your (laughs) sex life, we support that. But if you don't, it's a pretty weird scene. Prepare to be confused. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, but it's very interesting. But yeah, I I did feel like it was a little bit misogynistic that she's portrayed as this like sexually like insatiable woman who's also like trying to get people to eat corn i don't know it's really she's the sexy evil witch i don't know it's a pretty standard trope right yeah that's true but also with the corn (laughs) you're you're really fixated on the corn i mean it was just really i just didn't understand what purpose it served i think it was a throwaway by a throwaway uh what do you say like prompt i guess by a a bad writer like well she does like vegetables and like makes people eat food and shit and i don't know well corn we're gonna do corn well and i do think you know, it's coming from a place of him being mad at his wife, which is totally valid if his wife is, like, being pushy and healthist. But it is interesting how it's, like, I don't know. I, f- I feel like, yeah, it's coming from this misogynistic place. Of, like, women just want to, like, nag their husbands into, like, eating healthier or whatever. Like, it's very gendered. Mm-hmm. I also was going to ask if goblins in general, I feel like I've seen vague stuff about goblins and anti-semitism but i don't really know much about whether that's the case i mean they got the big noses yeah i mean in the harry potter world they're pretty in the harry potter movies they're like super like hook nose like i don't know like combine all the jewish stereotypes into bankers right yeah 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 they're like (laughs) yeah in harry potter world yeah, goblins are bankers with big noses that kind of are like sneer at you and like don't like it when you take money out of the bank. Has anybody called J.K. Rowling out for that a little bit? I don't know. I've seen it around on the internet. I don't know how prominent it is or if there's been like a big to do around it, but that's kind of weird. That's a little weird. I'd be curious to see if she's responded to that or justified that in any other way. I don't know. That's interesting. Or maybe it wasn't her. I don't know. I'd have to read the books again. I don't know if maybe that was a, a movie invention yeah, and not know. a book invention. And maybe it's not J.K. Rowling's fault. And we should be figuring out who the anonymous. Yeah. They're not anonymous, but, you know, the the, the, the directors. Director. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, no, hold on. I know his name. It was Chris Columbus. Oh, interesting. Because that's okay. such a weird name. 
That is a weird name. Yeah. Why would you name your kid? I don't know, because you thought it was fun. <laughs> Someday you'll be famous. You'll have to answer that question in every interview. My boy. My boy is going to be a director. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, that's all the... That covers everything time. I got. Yeah. Cool. Like us. Subscribe. Yeah, leave us a comment. Tell us what movies you yeah. want to watch. Tell us what movies you want to come on and discuss. That too. That yeah. too. We love having guests. We do. Yes. Pitch us a movie and you too could be on a podcast. It's such a big deal, you guys. It's an honor and a privilege. It really is. That we You'll will not extend so to famous. We will not extend to just anybody. No. Super selective. It's not it's not that it's super selective so much as like half of the people just want to watch Goodwill Hunting and we're not doing that. Yeah, yeah, guys. Be creative. Pick a movie that finds madness where you least expect it. Where you least expect it. Yes. Yeah. And make a good story out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Mad love. Mad love. Bye. Bye. I stole your line. Hey guys, Andy here with one quick announcement to close out the show. A lot of people have asked us for transcriptions of the episode, text format instead of audio format. Um, you know, for some people that's easier. Obviously for our non-hearing friends, like, podcast presents a problem. And we would love to do that for you. Trust me, we have heard you. However, we have explored a lot of the free options, uh, ways to try to hack our way into this. DIY it, it's not working. At this point, the only real option is to pay for a professional transcription service, which costs money. So, what we've decided to do is we've created a Patreon, um, which we'll link to in the description here, and we'd really appreciate it if you have five bucks a month you could pitch our way. Um, help more people discover this show. Help more people enjoy and experience this show. Uh, really help us open this up to a, a broader community of people. This all goes right back into the show. So uh, anything you can chip in would be super appreciated. Uh, and when we hit our goals, we'll start having, uh, getting transcriptions of all the episodes when they uh, go out. So that's the goal. That's the plan. Thank you so much. Tell a friend and uh, chip in some money if you can.